Galatians 2, 3 through 5. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yet yield in submission, even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. This is God's word. All right. Um, We are working through the book of Galatians right now. Uh, if you're new or, or catching up, and we decided to do that because we're taking this year and really focusing on the theme of being set apart. Um, what makes Christians set apart and what are we set apart to? Uh, and the Galatian church was struggling with these same issues. What makes the church distinct? Uh, what, what do you need to, to be to be a part of the church? Um, and our hope is that as we study, we'll find ourselves challenged and learning more about the gospel and how that sets us apart and, and what really mission church, our community, should look like. So today, if you got a Bible, uh, we're in Galatians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. Galatians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. And we're going to look at really three things. Uh, identity, submission, and unity. So we're going Galatians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. Identity, submission, and unity for you note takers. Uh, I'm going to pray and then we'll jump in. Father, thank you so much for technology. Thank you that we can gather both physically and online and we can all worship you as one church. Thank you that gathered, we are your church, that we can walk together in unity, that we can bear one another's burdens, that we can be very different and yet love you and and be included in your body. Uh, Help me to be uh, on point and not get sidetracked. Help us all to have our hearts and minds open to your word. I pray that this time would be a time where we find ourselves uh, growing not just in knowledge, but in in deep love of you and and a desire to obey and reflect you to the world around us. I thank you for your love. Thank you for your word in your name. Amen. Uh, Galatians chapter... Two, Galatians chapter 2, verse 3 is where we'll start. Uh, but even Titus, this is Paul speaking, uh, they're, they're arguing about circumcision. Well, he's really arguing, he's writing a letter to the Galatian churches about circumcision. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Um, Friday, as I was writing the sermon, kind of putting it together in its last forms, as, as we're going to look at today, um, I realized that every time I've taught in 2021, I've talked about circumcision, um, which is a super weird thing to realize about yourself. Um, and I can't, I was thinking about this. I can't imagine what it's like for someone who just started attending mission. Um, like these people really like circumcision. They might, they might be a circumcision cult. They talk about it a little too much. Um, so we're not a circumcision cult. Um, it's a weird thing that I, I've spoken about circumcision every time so far this year, but we're only like two months in. So, um, but I don't want to disappoint you either. So we're going to talk about circumcision. Uh, and really what I want to do is find out uh, why this concept, this argument, uh, is important for us today. The argument that Paul is having with these Jewish Christians is actually very pervasive in the New Testament. Uh, Galatians isn't the only book that that talks about it or deals with this. Uh, It pops up in Romans, Philippians, 1 Corinthians, Colossians, and even Titus. Um, 
And the question is, why are these Judaizers, the Jewish Christians, having such a hard time saying, you can follow Christ and not be circumcised? And from a, a modern day perspective, a modern day American perspective, that seems like a really personal thing to be concerned about anyway. Um, how do you even tell if someone is circumcised or not? Um, my dad thinks it's the funniest joke in the world to say that when he reads like Galatians, uh, that it was the church's interns uh, job to find out who was circumcised and who wasn't. It was like the doorman uh, position, uh, which is very uncomfortable, but it's kind of funny. Um, so, so circumcision and its importance in the early church. Why is this a problem? And I want to give us a little bit of info to help us understand why people were really struggling with this debate. And the first thing we need to know is that in Jesus' time and in Paul's time, public bathhouses existed. So that's way out of our norm and something that we normally don't deal with at all. Um, and that means that something that we'd consider a private thing, because we shower by ourselves, uh, was actually not private at all. Everybody knew who was circumcised and who was not. So this is actually a very public issue. Um, and not only is it a public issue, but it's a matter dealing with the covenant mark of God's people, but it's even more than that. Uh, from 175 to 163 BC, uh, there's a guy named Antiochus who was in control over Jerusalem, uh, Antiochus IV, actually, uh, and he made a ruling against the Jewish people. And it basically was that if any baby uh, was circumcised, that baby would be killed along with the mother who allowed the circumcision to happen. And during that time, if you were an adult Jewish male, you weren't allowed to participate in public sports because you were circumcised. And it became such a problem in, in, in society in that time that if you read the Maccabees, First uh, Maccabees 1.15 tells us that Jewish men were surgically trying to remove the evidence of circumcision so as not to be embarrassed in the public bathhouses. Uh, and those who had gotten that surgery to remove the scarring uh, were seen as betraying the faith and the Jewish people. Uh, so circumcision is not this personal ideal. Uh, this is a public matter, but not public. It's political. Um, it, it defined your political identity, according to Antiochus. It defined your religious identity because it was the mark of God's people. And it defined your cultural identity because you weren't allowed to participate in certain cultural aspects if you were circumcised. And, and Paul's, he knows all of this and he's informed of all of this. And, and his argument is that he took Titus, who was a Greek, to Jerusalem, the epicenter of Jewish culture, and that Greek Titus, standing before the apostles, was told that he did not have to get circumcised, that that was not the defining mark of what it meant to follow Jesus. And the Jews, uh, the, the, the Jewish Christians, uh, their argument was to say, how could you say you follow Christ and not be circumcised? So you've got two arguments happening. Um, Paul saying the Jews can be Jews culturally, uh, can, can form the, and continue the traditions of Jewish culture and go to temple and, and do all of these things. And the Gentiles can be Gentiles, and they both through faith can follow and worship Jesus. 
And the Jewish Christian Judaizers were saying, how can you say you're a Christian and not be circumcised? And I think that this is extremely relevant for today uh, because they were taking cultural, political, and religious ideas and putting them on top of the gospel. And in the chaos of 2020 leading up to and even into the election in 2021, I can't tell you how many times I heard and read, how can you be a Christian and? How can you be a Christian and vote like that? How can you be a Christian and wear a mask or not wear a mask? Discuss race or not discuss race? Discuss police reform or not discuss police reform? And I'm not saying that these aren't important issues. I'm not saying that we shouldn't discuss them because we should. What I am saying is we added things to the gospel just like the Judaizers are trying to do. And our preferences are gospel killers, just like the Judaizers' circumcision was a gospel killer. And we should be asking ourselves, what do we see in our culture being placed on top of the gospel? And what things do we tend to put there ourselves? So circumcision was important. Elections are important. Uh, Discussions over vaccines are important, but they're not gospel. Circumcision was important because it was about identity, cultural identity, political identity, religious identity, but it was not gospel. And so verse three, Paul brings us back. And what his argument is, is look at Titus who, who went to the apostles and I went to the apostles with him And and they said, your identity as a Greek can be retained and you can follow Christ. But as well in that, what Paul is saying is he submitted to the apostles. Look at verses two uh, or chapter two, verses four through five. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ so that they might bring us into slavery to them, we did not yield in submission even for a moment, so the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. So identity, circumcision is about identity, but also Paul's bringing in submission now. So let's talk about that. Um, Paul's next argument to the Galatian church in considering these things is that he brought Titus to the apostles and submitted to them, but he refused to submit to the false brothers. And in his submission to the apostles and refusal to submit to others, the gospel was preserved for the Galatian church. In other words, they would not have heard the good news if Paul was not in submission. And just on a very practical level, uh, and then he talked about a lot of the ways that that we're trying to form a mission church and, and be kind of an outlier church. One of the things that we take very seriously uh, is membership. We have membership because of one of this exact reason. Paul's submitting to people over him in order to preserve the gospel. Uh, So on a practical level, this is why we have membership and why we are part of the Christian Reformed Church denomination. Because as elders, we have elders in our church. We want to be able to submit to governing authorities over us as well. Because honestly, we're just normal, sinful human people that can make poor decisions. And so we want to be held accountable. And then we want to submit to one another. So if you read Ephesians 5.21, you'll see that as a church community, 
We want to submit to one another mutually. But um, God in his wisdom knew that there would be problems and confusion when it comes to following him. So he establishes elders and leaders who, according to, to Titus 1.5, this is what Titus 1.5 would say, uh, those leaders and elders must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also rebuke those who contradict it. And we see Paul working these verses out right here in Galatians chapter 2. Um, matter of fact, we see it through Paul's entire life. Um, one of the first things that Paul does after he is uh, converted, becomes a follower of Jesus, uh, is to go to the apostles and submit to them. When the circumcision question first comes up, and I believe it's Acts chapter 15, he goes to the apostles and submits to them. Every time that, every time that he planted a church, one of the first things that he was trying to do right away was looking for elders so that there could be submission. And even now in this book in Galatians, he's saying, you need to know that I'm submitting to the apostles. His, his argument is based not on his own wisdom. His argument is not based on his great theology. His argument is saying the, the people that walked with Jesus, I'm submitting to what they have said. Um, and, that, and that submission preserved the gospel. And I think we need to ask in what way, because that's a heavy thing to say for Paul to bring down right here is I submitted to the apostles regarding circumcision and that submission preserved the gospel for you, Galatian church. Um, so there's a few ways that it preserved it, but I'll give you just one theological and one relational. Uh, first, it preserved the fact that salvation is by grace through faith. Uh, access to Christ doesn't come through obeying rules. It comes by grace through faith. Um, second, uh, and this is the, the relational one, it meant that Jewish Christians, the Judaizers, couldn't look down on Gentile Christians for not being circumcised. Um, so if we're looking back at the, this idea of like circumcision was not personal, I mean, it was, but it was more than personal. It was public, that it was political, it was cultural, it was religious. Jewish Christians couldn't look down on Gentile Christians for having different political views, cultural views, or religious understandings. Um, and so rather than allowing judgment to happen within the followers of Christ and the bride of Christ, rather it pushes us to ask, what does it look like to obey the command and call of Christ with people that we see acting and, and believing things very differently in those realms. So what is the command and call of Christ? To love your neighbor as yourself. When we have disagreements of identity, political, religious, or cultural, we love our neighbor as ourselves. I'm going to, I'm going to say that again because Quite frankly, what I understand within the Christian community, uh, including Mission Church, so I'm including us in this, is that there have been so many political issues and cultural issues that their rifts are happening. They're happening even in location, depending on what, what church is where in the city of Tucson, uh, even largely uh, on, on 
the, the country level where churches on the eastern edge are actually functioning very differently regarding COVID than churches in Tucson. And so there's all these differences. And what I've found is that Christian differences are now becoming rifts, becoming separations. And so to, to love our neighbor as ourselves means when we have disagreements of identity, political, religious, or cultural, we love our neighbor as ourselves. We love our neighbor as ourselves. And so Paul, submitting, preserved the good news of salvation by grace, by grace through faith. And he stopped certain believers from looking down at others. And he reminds us that we are compelled by Christ to love one another. So when we disagree, rather than rejecting the community, we draw closer in love and work out our differences. We can discuss the big hard things. We can discuss our differences, but we still love one another. And that, that posture of the Christian church, that unity, like the unity that I was talking about in Psalm 133, that, that brings us into a greater revelation of who Christ is and what he wants the world to recognize him to be. Loving one another as we love ourselves, leading to unity. And that's our last point, unity. Verse five, um, to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. When Paul said that the gospel was preserved for, for them, I don't think he was just talking about them being saved. Um, often when we, when we read scripture, when we read the New Testament, uh, you'll hear the thing, you'll hear phrases or words like you, and we assume that must mean me, Nick, but it really normally doesn't. Normally what it means is something like you all or all of you or all y'all, depending on where you are in the United States. Um, and so Paul said that the gospel was preserved for all of them. And then we are included into that because he preserved it right now. We get to read about it. Um, I think what he meant was more than just being saved. I think he meant, well, Galatians chapter three, verses 27 through 28. That's, this is what I think he meant. Um, it is salvation, but it's greater and bigger. Galatians chapter 3, 27 through 28 says this. For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ. When you become a Christian, do you lose your Greekness? or your femaleness? No. What Paul is saying is, when we become one in Christ, there's no elevation of anyone. That, that males or females are not better or worse than one another. That one ethnic group is not superior to another, one class greater than another. Instead of that happening, Paul gives us really fantastic news. The gospel calls all people groups to Christ and rejoices in all of their cultural, all of their ethnic and their political differences. 
The body of Christ is meant to be diverse. That's why Gentiles don't have to act like Jews. That's why Gentiles don't need to become circumcised. But that's also why Jews don't have to act like Gentiles. They don't have to hide their circumcision. They don't have to give up their traditions. And that's why the church in Africa or China can worship differently than we do here. And it's no better or worse. It's just different. It's an expression of the gospel in a unique culture. And the gospel is not that that we would all look like one another or act or think the same. Rather, it is to recognize that our differences mean we can each reach different people with the good news that others cannot. So everybody in Mission Church, by that I mean physically in the location and on Zoom, each one of you are very different than I am. And God designed you to, to be in community with me, but also missionally, that means you can reach people that I will never, ever be able to reach. And that should not be frowned upon. That should be recognized as a, a beautiful reality about the mission of God. He's using all of our differences to enlarge his kingdom, to bring more people to recognize that they can live in the knowledge of who Christ is and, and be loved more than they ever deserve more than they could ever even imagine. And it's because God designed his church to be a diverse group of people on mission with God. Uh, and, and honestly, if you think about the book of Galatians, I, sincere, I sincerely believe that if the Judaizers were right, that if they won this argument and following Jesus meant that everyone would have to take on Jewish culture, I do not think the gospel would have spread. This is why this argument is important. The apostles recognized that, that the mark of Christ was the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, not the cutting of flesh. That for the gospel to spread, that it would have to reach communities in different ways and that it could look differently uh, as it's worked out in different communities, that not everybody has to be the same. Gentiles don't have to become Jewish to follow Jesus Christ. Luckily, they were wrong. The kingdom of God is filled and open to all types of people whose lives all look very differently, who, whose ethnic groups are spread out throughout the whole world. People follow in a part of the body of Christ that you've never met that look and act and believe very differently culturally. Um, and instead of fighting over all of our differences, we should change our heart and rejoice at how inclusive our God is and how diverse his church is and that we can be unified in the mission of God who is and will redeem all things. And so I want to close where we started. We're looking at the diversity of the church. We're looking at all of us pilgrimaging through life differently, looking differently and seeing things differently but all of us being unified in the worship of Christ and the, the spreading of his name and the mission of God to redeem all things, I think it's good for us to land back in Psalm 133. And I want you to think about this in Mission Church. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron running down on the collar of his 
robes. It's fragrant and holy and anointed and distinct. It's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion, for the Lord has commanded the blessing life forevermore. It is life-giving, nourishing relationships and a desert of broken humanity that can't seem to connect. So what we're going to do now is we're going to move into a time of silent confession um, where, where we get to look at scripture and, and respond to what we've just heard and read and, and learned um, and confess honestly that political differences and cultural differences have caused rifts in my life. And yet it's so very clearly fought against in scripture. And so we can confess these things and rely on the grace of God. So I'm going to open us in prayer. Uh, and then I'm going to leave two minutes of silence where we can all silently confess. Uh, and then we'll come back together in thanksgiving and song. Father, I thank you so much for your word. Uh, I have been very challenged by this myself this week and reading and studying up on, on the circumcision problem and, and really how it was so much more than we tend to think and how it was so politically motivated and cultural and religious and there's so much weight to it. And then looking at my life and the things I've experienced in the last year and a half and realizing, oh man, I'm much closer to the Judaizers than I ever realized. And I think many of us are there. And so I want to take a moment to confess that to you, God, and, and Holy Spirit, and the, the two minutes of silence that we're going to have, I ask that you'd move each one of us in our hearts to, to realize ways that we can grow to love one another better.
Father, we've just confessed, spoken to you, and we all make mistakes. We all choose things that are wrong sometimes. I mean, is that not what the mark of the Christian is, is to say, I can't seem to get things right and I need your grace. And so, Father, we thank you for that grace. We thank you for forgiveness. We ask that our hearts would be inclined to you first and to following your commands first, and that we wouldn't allow very important things to become the most important thing over the gospel, that we wouldn't get the gospel confused with what is happening in the, the lives around us and, and the, the world around us, but that we would recognize that the gospel sets us apart to love you and love our neighbor. And the gospel teaches us then how we, how we are to interact with all other things. We ask that you help us to be on mission with you. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would continue to grow the fruit in our lives that you produce, uh, that we would be loving and patient joyful, and that we can rejoice in the differences in Mission Church and in your body as a whole. We thank you, Lord, for your love. In your name, amen.